The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. Ezra Taft Benson. Welcome to the Thy Neighbor podcast, conversations with everyday people who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. I am your host and occasional solo caster, Tracy Robbins King. If you are inspired by this episode and someone comes to mind as you listen, share this with that person. If you have benefited from the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. Your ratings, reviews, and shares make a difference and allow this podcast to reach more remarkable people like you. Janine Elschulz was raised in Grantsville, Utah, and currently lives in Salt Lake City. She is the mom of three sons, one daughter with two grandsons. She is the Highland High School tennis coach and tennis instructor. She attended BYU. Between raising her children and coaching, she hasn't had a lot of time for hobbies, but she does love a quiet night at home. It's true. (laughs) And maybe a little bit obsessed with Star Wars. True, (laughs) too. She loves getting to know people, and she loves to talk just like me. Her passion is definitely the gospel of Jesus Christ. She loves learning about it and talking about it, and the more she learns, the more amazing it becomes. There are a few things in life she enjoys more than gospel and life conversations with family and friends. So all of us are in for a treat because that's what we're going to talk about today. What is your process of receiving revelation and how has God trained you to hear him? That is a great question. I'm happy to be here, Tracy. I felt a connection with you um, when we crossed paths for a short time and I do love talking about the gospel. I remember I was driving down the street one day and I was listening to a man interviewed on the radio and he said, you need to find your passion in life and then just go for it. And then it doesn't even feel like work. And I remember thinking, I don't even have anything I'm passionate about in life. Like, this is so sad. Like, I'm so old and I have nothing that I'm passionate about. And I went about another block and it just came so clearly to me. It's like, uh, Janine, you're kind of passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, oh, yes, I am definitely passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is my passion. It is my love. And it is such an exciting time to be alive. Like it, I just I pinch myself to even think we are living in times that prophets since the beginning of time have foreseen. And it's such a great opportunity to be here. It also comes, it's like we're living in a war zone and it feels like we're living in a war zone because it is just, there's a lot of evil and dark and you can just feel that. And so for me, the process of receiving revelation has just been really meaningful and really life altering to me. So I kind of, before I jump to how I hear him now, I want to go back about 30 years. And I remember I was very big into the nighttime dramas and, you know, busy life with my little children. And I remember I was just kind of thinking I need to put more time into gospel study or to, you know, hearing Heavenly Father speak to me or what he wants. And I remember one morning I woke up and I started reading a conference talk and it was like a light switch went off and it was like my spirit was starving. It was like it could not get enough. Like I read one and then two and then 20 and then 30. I read all day and it was like my spirit was spiritually starving. And I thought that is so sad that 
I've let my spirit get to that point. And so it really caught my attention of what am I filling my mind with? And what am I watching? And what am I listening to? And how am I not giving time to the Lord? And so that started my love affair with conference talks. And I am so obsessed with conference talks. 50 years ago, 40 years ago, yesterday, conference talks are just a wealth of information. And so I love them. So that started then. And that kind of gave me an opportunity, short answer, and then I'll finish up. When we put ourselves in places that we can hear his voice, it's much easier than if we're trying to hear his voice when we're not in places. So that was my start of my love affair with conference talks. Then fast forward to 2017. Um, That was just kind of a really changing year for me as well. I started coaching tennis at Highland High School. I coached the boys and the girls teams, and I love working with teenagers pretty much more than anything. They are so great, and they teach me so much. There's a ton of life lessons that come from sports, gospel, but I started coaching and I did not see that coming. You know, my oldest child had graduated from high school and I thought, what? I literally just asked Heavenly Father, what do you want me to do with my life? So I didn't see that coming, but I started to feel a lot of opposition in my life. I could tell that Satan was really stepping up his kind of attacks on me. And so I remember I love I've loved Sabbath days for a long time and I love getting up early on the Sabbath day and listening to music, preparing myself to go and everyone's asleep at my house. And so there is a YouTube station that is the Tabernacle Choir conference songs only. And they just keep adding the new ones and it loops and I love it. I've listened to it for a lot, but 2017 had that playing in the morning. And I remember thinking kind of back to our um, spirits starving. I remember thinking I need more Sabbath days than just one a week. (laughs) And again, it was kind of like, Janine, you can, you don't only have to do this on Sunday, you know? So instead of my deaf leopard and foreigner and rock music to get me pumped up walking or, you know, whatever, it sounds so bizarre, but I started listening to that loop. And again, it just fed my spirit in a way that that music, the other music couldn't even hold a candle to. And what I felt was it was almost tangible that I could feel the Savior's strength coming in to counter Satan's attacks. And then I wanted more of that. So then it's like, okay, I'm going to, in addition to listening to my conference talks, I'm going to add this loop. There's just great power that comes from music that talks about Jesus Christ, that music that keeps us focused on Jesus Christ. And I love the choir songs as well, because they talk about building Zion and preparing for the Savior to come. And so it is all of these things coming together that just is, it's always on the forefront of your mind. And so then your gratitude for the Savior starts to deepen. And then that translates to your prayers, to being grateful for him. And then, then you're blessed with more, you know, ability to hear the spirit, because that's where your mind is. And That was one thing in 2017. The other thing was President Nelson started issuing his challenges, or the first one that I remember. It was before he was prophet, and he issued a challenge at conference that I said, I'm going to take that challenge. And it was a tough one. It was to go through the topical guide and mark all the references to the Savior. Again, it was life-changing as I sat there on the Sabbath day and started marking those things. And so for me, it was kind of like selfish reasons. Like This just feels so good. It was, it just felt so good. And so then he came out with another one and then he was called as prophet. And that I've talked to several friends about this. So I don't think it's just me. When President Nelson was called as the prophet, it felt like something changed. 
it was like, okay, we're on a whole new playing field in the world. It's just, it's different. And I felt that. And he has constantly been saying, you need to do more. You, you need to do more to hear him. You need to put yourself in places where you can hear him. He gives us promises. He gives us warnings. He gives us challenges. And so it really caught my attention that I thought we need to give a lot more time. And I felt that same thing. I really have just come to a point where I am absolutely immersed in those things every day, every day. And I think part of it is maybe I'm just difficult. Like <laughs> I'm probably one of his most difficult children. So it takes a lot to get my attention. But for me, it's just been the fruits. I mean, the fruits that have come with the peace, with the hope, with the with the joy, you know, I mean, it's just, it, you just want more and more and more and more. So that has been the easiest way for me to hear him is constantly have him in front of me seeking help with life, you know, with the problems that we face. And so it's been a great, great journey. I have loved the journey President Nelson has taken us on. And I think it was Elder Holland in December, Enzyme of 2018, that said, the Lord is taking us on a journey of vistas and veils that we can hardly imagine. And that's what I'm really seeing. I think, you know, as the world gets darker and more hopeless, the Savior is taking us to a place that is much brighter and hopeful. And so I just love that whole concept. How have you been able to maintain a grounded perspective when the world has only, the turbulence has only increased? Yes. And one of the things, you know, we're born with different gifts and there's, I am not a listener. I have never been a good listener and I'm working really hard to be a good listener. But one of the gifts that I have been given is I have been blessed with an eternal perspective. Like I just see everything I see, you know, we see life through different lenses. All of us do. I see it from the lens of we lived long before we came and we are going to live long after. And so it shapes everything. And it's just been um, the history of the world has been really helpful to me because I thought just starting with Adam and Eve, there was opposition and there was evil and there was darkness. And, you know, through I love, love, love studying the Old Testament this year, like God's people have just been, you know, when we're tied to him and anchored to him, things are OK, regardless of what's happening outside around us. When we're not, it's it's tough and we fall away and we just then we're just in a miserable, miserable place. So for me, it really helps to recognize that it's all prophesied, that we are seeing what last days look like, you know, from prophecy. We're seeing what it looks like when Satan rules and when he has dominion over, over the world. And then we're seeing what it's like when the Savior's pouring out his power on his saints and just the light and the goodness. So that helps me a lot. It really helps me to see things in perspective. Um, the other thing along with that perspective, I compare this life to a thousand piece puzzle. I heard Sister Watson use this for a different thing, but a thousand piece puzzle. And we gather a few pieces here and there throughout our lives. And then we think we know and understand the picture, but we have no clue what the picture is. And Heavenly Father does. One of my favorite scriptures is his ways are not our ways. And he understands what he's doing with all of us, all of his people. Like it's hard to imagine how much he loves his children. I picture that, you know, President Benson told us nothing will startle us more when we go through the veil and get to the other side than how familiar his face is to us and how well we know him. He is our father that sent us here and there is nothing he wants more than to get each one of us home. So things that look like, oh, this is tough or this shouldn't be this way or whatever to us, 
he knows it will get us back to him to live with him. And so it just helps me to understand everything that's going around. His ultimate desire is to get us home, all of us, every single person home. And so then I start to see different things, you know, things that we would see as hardships in this life. He doesn't see necessarily as hardships. Lawrence C. Corbridge gave a talk at BYU. It was just so good. But he talked about how we think poverty and war and all these things, which are terrible things, are the worst condition in life. But he says the very worst condition we can be in life is to move away from God and be without the spirit. And he said, in contrast, we think wealth and, you know, prestige and all these things, ease are the wonderful things of life. And he said, but the true best thing in life is being close to the spirit. And I just love that concept. I love that that's within everyone's power. It doesn't matter what our circumstance, where we live in the world, how many injustices have come against us. Like Jesus Christ provides a way for us to feel joy and happiness and peace. And that's probably why I'm so excited about the gospel, because I think that's something we can share with everyone that would instantly make their life better. We are still going to work on ending poverty and injustice and those things when we see it because they're prevalent and we need to do all we can. But the best and fastest way we can do that is to teach them about Jesus Christ, which just gives me hope and power. And it's probably why I talk so much about him. You talked about how you made these decisions in your life to spend more time listening to him, to hearing what servants were saying regarding him and that over, you know, the hours that you've spent and the days and the, you know, these months and these years that you've spent getting to know him, that you have developed this close relationship relationship with the savior And I, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, if you love the Lord, spend time with him. Yes. If somebody does feel like I have a hard time knowing the savior, like, though I get the concept. I believe he did what he did for me. I still feel like accessing his power. Yes. One thing I love the principle that we teach is it's step by step, grace by grace, line upon line. So I'm going to start with me back in high school. Back, it it was far enough back that I walked to school and walked home. But I remember I started talking to the Lord. It it just, I just started talking to Heavenly Father and to Jesus. And to me, they're very connected. You know, Jesus is absolutely my best friend. But even back then, I would just talk to him all throughout the day. And I have found that such a great place to start. We can be, you know, and first of all, we beat ourselves up way too much. We think we have to do all this. We don't. We just have to get close to him. And if it's just talking to him a little bit during the day, that's where we start. And that's a great start. But I would just talk to him and share my, you know, frustrations or problems or hopes or whatever. I remember when I was at BYU, I would just go over. I love to go over in the empty stadium at BYU because it's just this massive place. And it was at night and I probably can't even still get in now. It's probably locked up. But I just love to sit there and talk to him as my friend. And I think that's where we start. We just talk to him as our friend because he already knows our, you know, all of the things we're struggling with. And I do know, and I've seen this so many times in my life, when we make a concerted effort to get closer to him, Satan will absolutely do all he can to keep that from happening. But I just love the, as soon as we reach out to the Savior in any way, in any way, he will help us on that journey. And so we just start talking to him. And it, just to say, you know, 
I talked to so many people that said, I don't even feel worthy to talk to him. And that is the furthest thing away from the truth. Like the furthest thing. Um, he knows all our shortcomings and he knows them better than anyone. And he still loves us and he will be there for us. And even just the time, you know, people say, I don't have time and it takes a sacrifice. But for me, it was just exchanging one thing for another. If I'm in the car, it might only be three minutes of the conference talk. You know, if I'm folding clothes, it might just be that. So it was kind of exchanging one for another. But we just start where we are. Um, my dad used to tell me all the time, and it's just such an important principle of the gospel. It doesn't matter where we are on the path if we're on the path. And I remember a prophet years and years ago, he said, I would rather be, and I can't remember, we'll have to look it up, Tracy, um, <laughs> to get the reference. But he said, I would rather be standing one step away from Satan facing the Savior than a step away from the Savior facing Satan. And that is so powerful. It doesn't matter how far we are, because as soon as we reach up to him, we're right next to him. He has our hand. And then we start to receive his strength. And that's what's important is just anchoring ourselves to him because he, he knows how hard it is. I, I see it with people every day. He knows how hard it is and he honors them. This is a great place, though, I think, maybe to interject. I have really come to appreciate and be grateful for the extreme trials in my life. They feel a purpose in bringing us close to the Savior. Life is supposed to be hard. I think, you know, we come, we think that this life should be a vacation resort, when in reality, it's a special ops spiritual training zone. And so that's where we get in trouble. We think, oh, if it didn't have this, it would be easier. If I didn't have this, it would be easier. And I came... To, pretty early on to realize if it weren't that, it would have to be something equally as hard over here. And then when you start to embrace that, and I think for me anyway, just those extreme dark times, um, like we all have kind of hard dark times, but then there are times that it just feels like it literally will crush you. Like you're not going to physically survive it. When you cry out to him in those times, he is there. I think it was President Nelson, maybe Anne Holland, that the Lord loves effort. He just, all we have to do is start. We just have to start. We don't have to say, I have to read the scriptures, you know, three hours a day. I don't have to, I, that's not where he needs us. He just needs our heart and a willingness to start. So that is what I would say. I would say, so it started in high school. That's the other thing about me. Sorry, I thought jump a ton. So hopefully people just can jump with me. Um, but th that is to this day, I talk to him in my mind all day, pretty much every day, you know, and, and that's another way that I hear him. I will have like a conversation with someone that could have been handled better. And literally, as soon as I turn around, he'll, that will come like, mm, that probably wasn't the best way to handle that situation. And that gives me an opportunity to go back and apologize, you know, and so I'm grateful that as we express to him how we want to change and what we want to be, um, he will help us, but I really just recommend people just talk to him throughout the day Just say, I struggle with this and I don't know where to start and I don't know how to make time for this and, and he will help you. We live in a world that tells us that we have everything inside of us to get better, that everything we need is inside of us. And sometimes I've struggled with that because, yep. of, well, that's not true because you need Jesus. Like you need somebody outside of you. And also how many of us have had to have somebody throughout our lives who supported us at a certain time or that it's yes. a physical person. And I think, well, and, and sometimes, but I also understand what they mean in regards that you yeah. can't look outside yourself uh, to, to always find the answers you're seeking. You need to, to go inside. And I'm like, is that because they're talking about the spirit? Like, cause they're talking about how there is yeah. wisdom that comes to us, but it's through God. 
And there's just, I feel like there's a lot of like self-aggrandizing that happens in society. And so I wonder how have you maintained humility? Like I said, he started with a very, very difficult subject. And I'm not kidding when I say if he can work with me, he can work with anyone because I'm strong-willed. And I mean, just ask my children, you know, it's very, very difficult. Um, I think just the more I realize that I depend on him and how unappreciative I've been of him, but I'm difficult. My natural man is very, very difficult. And people still to this day will say my natural man is very, very difficult. But to realize that, that our weakness is is tough and that we need his help to overcome it. That's one of the greatest blessings of the atonement and the sacrament every week is just like, we're doing the same things. I love Nephi Psalm and Nephi 4. It's one of my favorites of all time. It's Nephi, you know, saying, oh, wretched man that I am. Why do I keep sinning? Why do I keep doing these same things over and over and over again? And then immediately he pivots, but I trust in Jesus Christ. And I love that. I came across a thing this last week that I loved. It was Elder Scott. And he said, the Lord views rebellion and weakness differently. And it goes back to that weakness. We will battle the things of our nature probably till we die. And yes, we want to get them better and some we can overcome with his help, but it's the natural man is a tough beast to battle. But I love that because he said, if we're in open rebellion against God, then that is a different thing. An unrepentant open rebellion, there is punishment attached. But Elder Scott said, when he talks about weakness, it's always merciful. It's always with mercy. And I think he fully realizes how hard it is for us to do those things. And so I absolutely believe we need the Savior strength. You don't have to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to have that, to have his light, to have his inspiration, to have, there are people all over the world of every religion doing great things, and they are making the world a better place. There are people that are doing great things, but I think he has set up our lives that we need each other. We need to be the one lifting and serving and doing those things. And so we do need each other to be there to strengthen. There's times that we just get so low and there's people there to lift us up. Like you said, I think that's all part of him. I think that's all part of his love and his extension. And I think that's all part of him taking care of us here. I have found, and I know, like you say, there's a lot of self-help things out there. I have found that that's where the power for me comes is in their words, because it is so much more meat to it than just the self-help things out there. Not that there's not good self-help things out there because there are, but their words are powerful and it just answers everything. Like everything I struggle with, everything I do, it just answers. And I just have not been able to find that in other you know, sources out there. And so I've thought about this quite a bit too. I think it's really hard to discern truth in today's world. And so I think whatever we're giving, so say we're listening to God's words or reading the scriptures 10% of our time, and then we're listening to other voices 90, it's going to be really, really hard to sift through that. But if you flip that, or even like a 70, 30, if we are constantly like the Old Testament had the words or their words in front of them, you know, the um, phylacteries and the doorposts and the things, if we are constantly have their words in front of us, then when we hear those other voices, it's so easy to weigh if that's true or not, or if that's right, because there's truth everywhere. There's also a lot of things that are not true. And one thing I have really found with Satan, he works with mostly truth. He will take most truth and then put in the enough that is damaging. It was interesting, and we're thought jumping here again, but there have been some things that President Nelson said that just jumps out at me and I never forget. And he was quoting Elder Ballard, and it was in 2015, I think. But he said, we need women who can be able to detect 
trends of the world, however popular, are shallow and dangerous. And that really got my attention. And then as I'm seeing a lot of what's happening in the world, I thought same is using a lot of truth. And it's hard to sort through and get that part that is shallow or dangerous. But I have found that when you have that balance where you're hearing the voice of the Lord more than the voice of the world, it's very easy to weigh and detect. It gets much easier. And so I've been really, really grateful for that as far as balancing all the voices that we hear. Because in today's you know social media and accessibility, there are a myriad of voices. And as President Nelson says, we'll have no hope of sifting through them. And I think he says the myriad of voices that are in the philosophies of man that attack truth. That's his phrase. And I thought, and then he just tells us, you will have no hope without personal revelation. President Nelson has been very open about the consequences, and but yet he's telling us what to do. And I love that. I love that as we follow those things, you know, we'll be guided. So that kind of answered your question, kind of not. No, I think that was excellent. That was beautiful. So uh, there's two different things I want to mention. One is the when you talked about the really crushing trials you've had in your life and tutelage that you had from the gospel in those trials. Yeah. How did that lift Um, you up? The thing I was grateful for was I had habits in my life from my parents. You know, we went to church, we paid our tithing, we said our prayers. I'm grateful for those because there is no question that there are times in our lives that we go on autopilot. We feel far away from heaven and we're just on autopilot. And I'm grateful that that was my autopilot. But I remember one of the earliest starts, and and I don't know, for me, whatever reason, it was one after another after another. It was just, I remember there was one point in my life that it was so dark and so heavy for about a four-year period of time that I really remember just thinking, this life is just a living hell and maybe the next life. I mean, I'm hoping the next life is better. And then I remember thinking, like, who are you? You're an optimistic person. Like, I remember, how did I get here? How did I get so negative? But the weight of um, that opposition was just so dark. But yet I always knew the Savior was there. I don't ever remember a time in my life where I did not reach out to him. And literally in the closet, just prayers that there's nowhere else to go. Like, I can't do this. And it hurts. And it hurts a lot. And to have, you know, to feel his words come to you, I know. I know how much it hurts. I know how much it hurts, but I'm here. And there's times we don't feel him there. Like, you know, in one dark period, it was just like, I just kept walking forward and we just keep walking forward one step after the other, doing the best we can. And I remember it was just a situation in my life that I thought this is not going to end well. No matter what I can imagine, it's not going to end well. And it was one particular Sunday I was taking the sacrament. And as I reached for that tray, the words just came into my mind so clearly, I am mindful of you. And that was it. Nothing else. Nothing changed. It didn't get easier. Nothing else. But that I am mindful of you has taught me that there is a reason for these trials that we go through in the hardships. But pouring my heart out in my closet in extreme pain is probably the most heartfelt prayers I've ever given. And just to know that I can have someone to go to, to pour out and then get up and you keep going somehow. But then when I started studying these, I loved a quote by President Kimball, and I will kind of butcher it, but he essentially said, don't wish away the hard things in your life. He called them benefactors and friends. And he's like, that's the purpose of this life. That's why we're here is to face these really hard, difficult things to overcome them with the help of the Savior. And then for me, one of the greatest blessings, and I see it all the time in my friends, then to turn and help others. When you've been in really dark places, 
you know firsthand what it's like to be in dark places and you can turn and help other people in dark places. And I see that every day. Like I said, I just have amazing friends that I see this all the time. They are for a reason. They draw us to the Savior. Or we can get bitter. <laughs> I love Elder Maxwell. He's one of my favorites. But he said we can either get bitter or we can use these to draw us to the Savior. I think it goes back to a story most of us have heard of the man that came across in the Willie Handcart Company when he said he was sitting in Sunday school and, you know, everyone was saying, oh, they shouldn't have come. It was terrible. And, and then he stood up and he said, not one of you were in that handcart company. I was. And he said, I would not have traded that experience for anything in the world because that is what brought me to know God. And I feel the same way. I'm like, there is no way, no way I would have the relationship with Jesus Christ. I do. Had I not gone through those, through those extremely difficult times that seemed endless, you know, and, and still come. I'm just so grateful to know there's a purpose for them and they're making us better and stronger and more resilient. And most of all, for me, it's more like him. I have really come to appreciate Gethsemane and Calvary through our own pain because we only just have a little sliver of what he went through. But I just I'm amazed at what he did for us so that he could help us. That's one of the things kind of going back that has really surprised me is how much power is available that he offers us. I'm just blown away as I've been accepting these challenges from President Nelson. I am just blown away by how much power he is offering us. And that is through the atonement. And it could never have happened without him going through that extreme pain. I have really come to view my trials as a great gift. And I, I will be very surprised in the next life if we don't all look back at our trials as a great gift in our lives from a loving father who knows what he is trying to accomplish in our lives. I had this thought when you said that regarding your scripture study, when you talked specifically about how you are communing with God and I'm curious, what is it like when you do feel like, oh, okay, I'm not as enthusiastic about something or I'm not really getting things maybe from my scripture study, how do you upgrade it or encourage yourself to, okay, how can I see this differently so that it can be more beneficial? I think I'm going to borrow President Nelson's words about the temple. He said, if you do not love going to the temple, go more, not less. And I think that's what I found. I do not remember the last time I I don't remember it. Ever since 2017, that hinge point in my life, 2020 was another one, a really big one when he challenged us to prepare for that conference. That is, I can look at that April, 2020 and had nothing to do with COVID. It completely changed everything for me. But I found myself wanting to read the scriptures instead of watching the jazz. I felt myself drawn to those things, which was completely different, like completely different. And so for me, it's the more. It's like once I started doing it more, I loved it more. And then you didn't. It wasn't like a duty, like, oh, I have to go read my scriptures or I should go to the temple. Honestly, if I could go to the temple every day, I would go to the temple every day. I love being in the temple. Um, But I think that that's his answer is you do it more, not less. So yeah, there are times when we just keep walking forward in faith and trusting that he will help us. Um, And I think that's part of the challenge is it's hard. It's hard and we don't want to be doing it. And there's other things we'd rather be doing. And and then we even start to feel guilty that we don't want to read our scriptures or that we don't want to go to the temple. And then that's more guilt that comes on. And that's just, I just know God is not a God of guilt. He just isn't. He is a God of encouragement and love. Like, and yes, he'll prompt us to do what we need to do. And he'll kind of, you know, encourage us in ways, but it's so important to just keep walking forward. You know, I always, um, I have friends who really struggle with a lot of these things and I admire them more than I can possibly say, because they are giving what they can give. And he, 
he sees that and he loves that and he honors that. You know, they don't love to go to the temple, but yet they go to the temple. They don't love to read their scriptures, but yet they read their scriptures. And he just honors that. You know, I, I think so much of the widow's might. And here, you know, they're giving all of their money. And then this widow comes in with so little yet hers was so much more than the bulk. And I think about that. I think of, you know, someone like me that loves to study the scriptures and could spend all day reading them. And then someone who might spend five minutes, who it's really hard for, he honors that. And he is the judge. And I am so grateful he is the judge. He judges our hearts and he judges so many things. But I love that, that he will honor any effort we make. And that's a gift to him, especially when it's hard. I think especially when it's hard, it's, it's even a bigger gift to him because he knows how hard it is. But it gets easier. It just does the more we do it. And to pray to love it. I love that Elder Maxwell talks about educating our desires. And we can pray to desire to read the scriptures. Or we can pray to enjoy the temple more. And we can pray to have time for those things. And so I, I just know there's power in that. Um, but it is. We keep walking forward. I was at a Relief Society winter's morning, and I was hearing a man talk about his ancestors that had crossed the plains, and he had lost his wife and his children on that trip. And so he said, I remember waking up in the morning, it was freezing, it was snowing. And he said, I couldn't even begin to think about Zion. I just needed to take one more step. And I didn't know how I was going to take one more step. And I love that because it's so much of our life. Like we can't even think about returning home and living with Emily. We can't even think till next Sunday a lot of times. And that's okay. Hey, we just need to take one more step, no matter how hard it is. We keep taking one more step. And that's how I found it just it works for people. Um, don't beat yourself up. Don't believe that you can't do it. Don't believe it's not enough. Don't believe you'll never get there because of whatever. Don't believe those things. Just keep walking forward. One of the things that I've really come to appreciate in my coaching and it's an analogy for the gospel for sure is kids that come in and they want to be good. And I teach a lot of beginners and they get really good. Um, some of them, but they want to be good, but they get super impatient. You know, they, they trust me. I'll use the phrase, trust the process. I love that phrase. I think it's very applicable to sports and tennis and um, the gospel, but trust the process. And so they'll do what we're teaching and they just go along, go along, go along. They don't get much better. Don't get much better. And then all of a sudden there's a huge jump, but if they quit, because they don't see the results, they would never, ever get to where they want to be. And I think it's very much the same with the gospel. Like a lot of times we start going to the temple or we'll start reading our scriptures or, you know, we'll start doing President Nelson's challenges, whatever it is, and we don't see the results. Sometimes even our life will get harder. Then that's a real challenge. But I promise you, keep walking through. I promise you, it is worth every step. Just keep going, move forward, move forward, move forward. And the results take care of themselves. And when you specifically talked about trusting the process, and I think I actually, so you gave me a tennis lesson. I don't know if you remember this, but you, you did in my, uh, my house. Yes. <laughs> and it was literally, I remember thinking like, wow, this is why you have a teacher, right? This is why you have somebody who knows more than you, who can teach you things that you don't know. No. And you walk away being like, wow, if I actually kept doing that, I might get better. You know, I might actually improve. And there's the, like a hope that comes through that education process. And so I know that you teach the Highland High School team. And I'm wondering, how do you feel like your own personal decision to follow Jesus Christ affects them? 
Oh my heavens, what an opportunity has been. I love what the kids are doing at Highland. I absolutely love it. So it's fun to win on the tennis court. But what I really love is I don't cut. So we have a lot of kids on our team, but I really challenge them to make a difference for good at Highland. Like, you know, we've had challenges where I issue, they need to um, give five people compliments every day, or they need to look for people that are down and lift them. And I, it's amazing how those kids are taking it and running with it. And we have 120 kids between our boys and girls team. So it's a good chunk of kids at Highland High School. But to see them take that, to be there for each other, to lift each other up, it's just so different from the world that they're used to. High school is brutal. It is a brutal world. And it's, you know, the backstabbing and I'm not good enough and all these things. And, and to try and teach the principles to love each other and be there for each other. Um, I love that. I love to see kids, you know, they'll come in with no friends and then have friends. And I just love that the kids are taking ownership for just being a good person, be a good person and be kind to people. And it's, it's helped. It's made a big, big difference in the lives of a lot of kids. When did you make the decision to not cut anybody? Right out of the gate. And just for that reason, like I said, I wanted to provide a home where they can have a place to belong at Highland. And like the friendships are what you remember. I just love when they develop those friendships and, and they last long after. And so, yeah, it's, it's not the most efficient for sure, the way to run a team, but tennis is the small thing. Um, providing a home for high school kids is the big thing for me. Wow. So during the last two years, there's been a lot of political and there's been a lot of division uh, specifically like with COVID and the riots and, and different opinions on vaccination, whatever it may be, what has helped you to walk peaceably with those who think differently than you? Well, that is such a great question because that was just like when COVID hit, it just turned everything upside down. And we really saw it on social media. Like it came hard and it came fast. And that kind of goes back to my natural man. I'm very argumentative. I like to debate. I like to be right. All those things. So it was really interesting as we started that because I'm like, oh, I've got to refute this. Oh, I've got, and it's like, no, don't do that. And literally, it was kind of back to hearing the Lord's like, no, don't do that. It was so obvious to me the hatred, the division, the contention was so prevalent. So many people left social media because it was there and it still is. I mean, there's just a lot of division and contention. And it just kept coming to me. That's not the Savior's way. And he has a much better way. And so it just really shaped everything. I started to see people like I like we mentioned earlier, everyone has they view life through their own lens. We all have different life experiences. It was a huge difference to realize people have good hearts and they're doing their best to make the world a better place. And I have so many people that I might completely disagree with, but I admire they're working hard to change the world for better. And so then it just came back to seeing everyone as his children. It's like, we're all in this together. You know, I loved when the storm came through. I didn't love that the storm came through, but when the storm came through and devastated our neighborhood, People were out helping. It didn't matter who you voted for, what race, religion, you know, it didn't matter those things. I love that. That's what Heavenly Father wants us to be. That's how he wants us to live peaceably. And so from a political sense, I think that's one thing, too, that they were really trying hard. I think our church leaders, that conference, to take us to a higher place. All of this fighting down here is that's not where it's happening. They want us to go to a higher place where we respect each other and love each other. And, and so it really has helped me see people as they are good people with good hearts. They believe things differently than I do. And that's okay. 
that is okay. And I really do believe that the more voices, the better for the whole. It's good to hear a lot of different voices, weigh them against the truth that we know, you know, that we're taught as far as our doctrine and our our beliefs. But it really has helped me. It just, I don't have any contentious feelings towards anyone. I just don't because I admire them as people and and it, it really has helped me. And I have appreciated those that have given back to me. You know, some people have done the same and it just feels so good to say, yes, we believe completely differently and we still love each other and we, and we're good with that. So it really has helped me to just see it back to the eternal perspective, the big picture, like these things are just a little picture. One thing I have seen, well, we won't go there. <laughs> Probably. Yes. It doesn't really tie to this. It's one of my big thought jumps and it is kind of important, but <laughs> it is a huge thought jump. Well, um, I don't mind thought jumps because that's the way my brain works. So do you want to jump there? or do Yes. You- um, I think a lot of the frustration we're seeing in society is because we are trying to solve spiritual problems with secular solutions. And you go back to this scriptures, Alma the Younger and Nephi, son of Helaman, both had societies where they said, you know, they were just out of control, very divisive, but they're trying to solve spiritual problems. People that have moved away from God as a society, we're seeing the manifestations of that through government and it just will never happen. And both of those prophets realized that they gave up their place in government, said, we got to teach people about Jesus Christ. And I think that's the same. I see very, a lot of similarities in that where there are spiritual problems that Jesus Christ is the answer. And our prophets have told us that Jesus Christ is the only answer. Things are not getting better in society without him. And so I think that goes back to just the basics and it's not even just loving like Jesus Christ Elder Christopherson, I don't know why, me personally, I'm drawn to Elder Maxwell, (laughs) President Nelson, and Elder Christopherson. I have listened to their talks over and over and over. He gave a talk at BYU that was so fascinating for me. He said, it was the first commandment first. And he said, imagine what the world would be like if we lived the second commandment, essentially the golden rule to love all people. He said, there would be no war, no crime, you know, no family breakdowns. It would just be amazing. But he said, why is the first commandment first? And I, it has been in my head ever since. He said, if we live the second commandment, that makes us nice people. But then he said, but to what end? What is the purpose of our existence? And I have pondered and thought about that so much because that would just make us nice people and then we will all die as nice people. Then it goes back to the ordinances we have, to the teachings of Jesus Christ, that there's, I think, one of the biggest truths besides the difficulty of discerning truth is moral relativism. Your truth is different from my truth and your truth is here. So there's no God truth. And then society, the wheels come off and it's all gone because there is no higher power that we're accounting to. And so then it just made sense to me that the first law has to be first, because when we love God, we love his laws, we love to be obedient, we recognize him as the higher power that has truth. He's the one that sets truth. He created the earth. He's the one that sets truth. And so then it made sense to me that we have to have the higher law before the second law. Elder Christopherson went on to say, living the first law makes us much better at living the second law. But I'm going full circle here. The greatest thing we can do for society and showing love to others is to teach them about Jesus Christ and his gospel, because then that ties the two together. If Heavenly Father is one of his highest form of love is giving us commandments, 
that's one of our highest forms of love is sharing with those people that we come in contact with that there's a better way with a higher power. And so I've really thought a lot about that because it is important that we love our neighbor. And like I said, we see so much of not that. And that is our responsibility as disciples of Jesus Christ. It's also our responsibilities to teach them that there's a much better way that will help all of society. How have you shared the gospel? How are you actively trying to share the gospel? Right now, like literally, it's interesting. I think this goes way back. Like Marion G. Romney someone said, you have an irresistible urge to, you know, speak up or insert yourself, feel or driven, I think even used. So I'm the one that's commenting every class. I'm the one that's pretty much praying my testimony every Sunday. Other than that, if you take the church setting, there have been times that have been really spiritual and sacred when I've been one-on-one with a friend and that I have felt I need to share the gospel specifically. But most of my life right now, I feel like it is more like Elder Stevenson, I think it was, be a good person and try and shine his light at least. But I think that that is really important to me to love as he loved and to lift as he lived. And There's so many principles of the gospel that are universal that we can teach, but there's no question, like I said, in conversation, I try and testify of Jesus Christ as much as I possibly can. And it's not even a testimony thing. It's just, it's my life. Like I love, he is my best friend and he has helped me so much. And my life has gotten so much better. The closer I've come to him, there's something I want to share, you know, just like a good movie or something. Um, So for me, it's very, very easy to do those things, to have those conversations with friends. And I think I am really grateful for friends that do that for me. It lifts you. When you are talking about the gospel in Jesus Christ, it lifts you. Even though your situation hasn't changed, you feel better because it's his light. So like I said, I think that's a gift we can give to people around us. And what is one of the highest compliments you have received or that you like to receive moving forward? So one thing I'm really working on in my life right now is just to be an instrument in his hands. So probably the most highest compliment is that they would feel the spirit, nothing to do with me. That would be the highest compliment for me. You know, I've always just felt from the time President Kimball said, you know, we're in the last hour and you've been chosen. I don't know, that just spoke to my soul in a way My whole life since I was a senior in high school, I have felt like we have been saved for this time and the battle is raging and he needs frontline soldiers. And I know if it's me, I will help no one. I will teach no one. (laughs) It will just kind of be a disaster pretty much. And it has been. He's given me those opportunities where it's just been a disaster. But I know if we see to be an instrument for him to reach other people. He honors that. And I have really found that to be true in my life. I just want to get out of the way and let him do his thing. He loves us and he's amazing. He has worked through so many people to touch me in my life. I just am so grateful for them. So not really comfortable with compliments because I know how weak I am. But, and I love that is one of my scriptures as well. I love, you know, Alma 12 or um, I went at 1226, I think, you know, it, as to my strength, I am weak, but to we glory in our God and his strength, we can do all things. I love that. I love that the honor is his and all the honor is his because I truly, uh, I am one of his most difficult children. 
I feel like anybody who listened to this will be like, uh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> no, in my own family being raised, I was the difficult one and I still am. I There's a lot of, like I said, natural men tendencies that are tough to overcome, but he understands that. I think I just heard this last week, God had a perfect church and then he let all of us in. So <laughs> it's like, that's pretty true. <laughs> oh, amen. Oh my word. Very true. Uh, I am really grateful. I know I am really grateful for the people who have pa- been patient with me and have forgiven me because that is really important to me. As I come closer to the Savior, I see how many people I've hurt or, you know, so many things that I've done. And you can't go back and get that. But part of the atonement is he can. But I'm just really, really grateful that people have been patient with me and forgiving in my life. And that's been a great gift that so many people have given me. What have you learned about repentance and, and how do you view the pro- that personal process of change? I have learned how much we need it. I love President Nelson's, I think it was pretty recent that he said, you know, we need to repent pretty much every day, every hour, maybe sometimes every minute for me. But I love that concept because if we, you know, we take the sacrament on Sunday and promise we're going to do better and ask for his help. But then if we're consciously aware of that as we're going through the day, like I mentioned with the conversation, like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that. If I recognize that immediately, he can help me, you know, immediately take that. For me, there's always too just something like it's a feeling that's just a little bit off, like "Mm, that probably wasn't the best thing. And not in just what I said, maybe what I watched or read or whatever. So I've learned how much we need his help, that it's an ongoing thing. But I've also learned how much he wants to help us. This was never intended to be, you know, (laughs) you're on your own. I'll meet you at the end. And it doesn't matter how big, you know, I think I've met some people in my life that just think they've sinned so much that they can't make it back. And it's just not true. It's impossible. I think Elder Holland said, you can't go far enough out of his reach. He wants to help us. So those, how much we need it, how available it is to us. It's actually pretty easy once we start, you know, just like talking to him throughout the day saying, sorry, I did that. Help me. But then, as I mentioned before, I think the other thing that's really surprised me about repentance is just how much power is available to us that we let go unused. Like we just leave it untapped that is there for us. And so, and that's where I think President Nelson is helping us so much to tap into all the power that's available to us to help us change. It's a slow process. It is not, it's not easy and it's not supposed to be, it's going to be our life, you know? We're just going to keep stepping along. Like I said, it doesn't matter how fast along the path we're moving. We just need to be on the path moving. So I'm grateful for repentance. I really am. I shudder to think of where I would be without it, but he's there to help us. Absolutely. And what do you think the world is craving now more than ever? Oh, an anchor. I visualize us just in the middle of a really stormy sea. We just need an anchor, an anchor to hold us there in one place um, that's sure, that will never move, and that will keep us safe. Um, It's absolutely an anchor, and that's what Jesus Christ offers. And what does the gospel mean? Oh, my heavens. (laughs) So, um, I don't even know where to begin with that. It means everything. It absolutely means everything. It's a path to peace, to joy, to happiness. It's ordinances that give us power. I've loved, loved, loved this year, the focus on we can be his people and he can be our God. I love the power of covenants. Um, But just the knowledge of the gospel, I think of how many people in the world were not born with that knowledge and what a gift it was. You know, my own ancestors joined the church in England and I've had the gospel my whole life because they were willing to sacrifice and give up. 
But um, mostly, like I said, the knowledge I have that we lived before we came, that there's a reason we're here and that we will live after. And there's that's his reason to get us along the path, that we each have a path. But I am just so, so grateful for Jesus Christ as my best friend. Like, I would never have had that without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm just so grateful to know about him, to know him, and to have his power accessible. I just feel really, really blessed. It means everything to me. And how do we get a hold of you? So how, <laughs> how can we follow you? Or, or maybe we can follow you on Facebook. Tell us how we can reach so you. I am on Facebook. It's Janine Imlay, I-M-L-A-Y Elschulz. Um, that will be listed, I'm sure. Instagram, I'm just Janine at Janine Elschulz, all small case. So yeah, that's it. That's awesome. I have so appreciated what you have posted on social media. And I feel like you have been... A, a voice of the goodness that God provides us. And I definitely have seen that at least from the social media world, right? From this, this connection that we, we can have with others, though it may not be as deep as like a conversation, yes. this, which those things cannot be replaced. It is a way where we can influence and make a difference in the lives of those around us. So do you have any thoughts on social media specifically and how we can use that? I love using it for good. I know a lot of people, I love using it for good. I love staying connected. We've lived several different places, you know, around the country and I love staying connected with people. I also love following the church sites. Like there is a lot of really good uplifting. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of good people doing good things that it lifts your day. Like you see things in your feed and it's an uplift. So I personally love social media in its own, you know, proper place. Like we can't become consumed. And I think that's the danger, but I love the lift I get. And I'm pretty quick, you know, that I keep up my, with my news that way, but I, you can get pretty quick at scrolling. And so it doesn't take a good chunk of your time but I think it is being used to take goodness throughout the world. And I think that's a great thing. Um, I'm curious about how you view the power of the garment. I know that we talked about the temple. I feel like we don't talk enough. This is my personal book. Yes. I don't know if we talk enough about the power of the garment. Yes. I just feel like sometimes there is like my generation specifically. Yes. I feel like we struggle more and I don't know if it's because we have been taught the power of our covenants in, in its physical form. It's on one of my five lists of power. Isn't that interesting? Because it's, it's the scriptures and the conference talks. It's the temple. It's the Sabbath day. It's fasting. And it's the garment, the wearing of the garment. And those are my five biggest ways to tap into power that we are not, that we're letting go. It's huge, Tracy. I think it is huge. There is power. And we're told that when we go to the temple and it's, it's an important power, like the blessing associated with that is very, very important. It's, and maybe it is a generation thing. It's very sacred to me. I, yeah, I can't imagine not wearing it. I really can't. I, I feel like it's that important. And, and of course we do, you know, we're swimming your things, but that has been, I think Satan has made a lot of inroads in those five things in cutting us off from those things, whether it's just distraction, we're too busy to go to the temple, Sabbath day, it's not that fun. You know, we'd rather watch TV or not that that's, you know what I'm saying, but there's other things we'd rather do. And then, like I said, the fasting, fasting's a big one. Cause that used to be a lot more prevalent than it is now as well. Like, you know, just 
fasting for different things power for one thing. I remember um, Elder and Sister Holland said they started fasting once a week because they felt they needed increased power to combat Satan. And so I started doing that, you know, years and years ago just saying kind I need that same power but it's interesting that you bring up the garment because the temple garment absolutely is I think power that he's been able to make inroads in undermining 